I'm Damian Bolwa, Director of News at the San Francisco Chronicle. Today on Fifth and Mission, at long last, San Francisco is moving to the yellow tier. That's the least restrictive of the state's color codes, and it means a big move toward resuming our lives. Things like attending large gatherings and meeting friends at a bar, an indoor one. Restaurants, movie theaters, gyms, they can all expand capacity. Ideen Vaziri and Aaron Alday, two of the Chronicle's health reporters, are here to discuss the big news and explain what it means. We'll also talk about our friends in Los Angeles County moving to the yellow tier at the same time, even though they took a very different path to get there. Ideen and Aaron, how you doing? Hi. Hi, Damien. How are you? Thanks for joining me. All right, Ideen, let's start with the basics When did this happen? How did we get here? And when do the rules start to change in San Francisco? The tier assignments went out on Tuesday, and we will see the changes starting Thursday. And really what it means is that most things in San Francisco will be open now. So all those businesses, activities, everything that was boarded up and closed, they are allowed to reopen So in some capacity. Not necessarily at full capacity, though, right? Not at full capacity with... With lots of restrictions in place, but uh, they won't be completely closed as they were for the past uh, 13, 14 months. All right. And Aaron, how did we get here? What did it take? Well, San Francisco, um, you know, has kind of been holding the course throughout this pandemic. Um, You know, we've never really taken a beating like a lot of other parts of the state. Um, And, you know, we we definitely suffered during the winter surge. We all know that Um, cases definitely climbed um, in San Francisco and throughout the Bay Area. Um, But honestly, like our kind of, you know, climb down from that, our descent from that has been, you know, it's been pretty fast and pretty gentle. Um, And it's really vaccinations. Um, It's it's I think in especially San Francisco more than any other place, I think we can attribute this uh, decline in cases pretty much entirely to vaccination, to getting the vaccines out into the community and getting people to take those vaccines when they were offered. Um, And we do still have a fair amount of work to do to finish that off. But we're making, you know, really good steady progress with that. And I think at this point, we can say that we are definitely seeing that reflected in in our numbers. Ideen, back to you. Give us a sense of, of kind of what's open. Uh, what are some of the things that people are looking most forward to? Uh, some of the businesses that have been really hit hard? I think the biggest one for people is going to be bars. You can go now go inside a bar or a brewery or winery Um the three household limit on indoor dining has been lifted. So you don't have to go out with your pod. You can mix it up. New friends. Um, their movie theaters can now bring people up to 50% capacity or 500 people. Libraries are open again, uh, at. 50% capacity. I know a lot of people were waiting for that. Uh, offices, uh, a lot of people not waiting for that one, but you can go. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> offices can open up at 50% capacity. Um, and outdoor community sports events, uh, like marathons, you know, like beta breakers and things like that, um, they, they can resume. So for businesses reopening, does vaccination have anything to do with it? Can they open if they require people to show proof? Definitely. A lot for a lot of these businesses, um, especially the live entertainment venues uh, with proof of vaccination or even a negative coronavirus test, uh, they can expand these capacity capacity limits and bring a lot more people inside. So it's, uh, you know, another another reason to get vaccinated for a lot of people. 
Now, you haven't been to a lot of concerts. You you review concerts for us. You go to a ton of shows. I mean, are you looking forward to it? Are our fans looking forward to it? You know, Outside Lands, which is scheduled to happen in late October, completely sold out um, in less than two hours. I don't know. I have such mixed feelings about it. I don't see myself necessarily going to a concert with 70,000 people um, this year, but we're really moving quickly out of you know, what, what seems like just a few weeks ago was actually four or five months ago when we had those horrible, you know, the, the ICU crisis and all that. Um, I don't know. I think I'm with a lot of people where I just, I don't know how to feel right now. It's, it's this weird mix of being cautious, still being cautious and feeling optimism. And I think a lot of people are kind of in that headspace. And Aaron, a lot of counties aren't there yet, right? I mean, um, you, you guys wrote that, Marin County was even expected to join the yellow tier, for example, but but got stuck and is not quite there. There are a lot of counties that aren't there. Yeah, there are only seven counties of of, of California Sophia counties that are in the yellow tier now. So it's it's really most most counties are not not only are they not in the yellow tier yet, but most of them frankly aren't all that close to the yellow tier yet. I would guess that they'll they'll reach our our big June fifteenth reopening date for the entire state before they get to the yellow tier. And at the same time, some counties are still struggling, and there's concern that not only that that there could be some new spread, but variants coming in. There's still some things to watch out for, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, in the Bay Area, Solano County really still has you know fairly high case rates, um, especially compared to its neighbors. But you know, is definitely seeing you know a fair amount of disease transmission going on. Um, you know, in Southern California, San Diego County is still seeing quite a bit of disease. Um, the Central Valley is still not looking so great. I mean, all of these places are looking just profoundly better than they did. You know, we're not seeing anything like what we saw over the winter and in the surge. Um, they've all come down dramatically from there. But I think what we're seeing is, yeah, we're, we're definitely not past this. Um, and especially in some of these places where I think they've had a little bit harder time getting vaccine out to to their total population for a variety of reasons. You know, they just haven't seen that full vaccination effect kick in yet. Aaron, what about you? What are you looking forward to? Oh, my God. What am I looking forward to? Um, not working as much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I just want to get out and like go like backpacking and get out uh, and and take some time off. Um, but no, I don't know. I can't really say that I'm like super invested in like, you know, like Idine was saying, going to big events and being around like a whole lot of people all at once. But I did, you know, just the other night I went out and grabbed a beer with a couple co-workers um, at a bar outside and it was really, really nice. It was super fun. And you're a runner, Aaron, and you've, you've written a lot about these big events. I mean, this was a big loss for the running community not to have you know, or, or the cycling community not to have these races. Oh yeah, no, that's a huge deal. I mean, and we, we didn't have beta breakers two years in a row. The San Francisco marathon is being pushed back, um, into the fall. Um, so yeah, I mean the racing and, and the racing community lost a, just a ton of events and this is a total aside, but the, the new Boston marathon qualifying times came out and they totally made it even that much harder to get into, which seems so cruel to the people who missed a couple years of Boston marathons. Well, I wasn't going to get it anyway, so that's okay. All right, well, let's take a quick break, guys. When we come back, I want to ask you about Los Angeles, which is also going to the yellow tier and obviously has been in the news, and also just looking ahead, what what's to come. We'll be right back on Fifth and Mission. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bulwa. I'm joined by two Chronicle Health reporters, Ideen Vaziri, and Aaron Alday. 
Thanks again for joining me, guys. Aaron, you took a look at Los Angeles in your most recent story. They also are going to the yellow tier. I was a little surprised um, to see that. I haven't been following it as closely, but again, very different paths to get here. Yeah, I mean, I think surprise is totally fair. I mean, I think a lot of people were shocked, um, especially people up in the Bay Area who, like you, um, haven't been following L.A. that closely. But um, it's it's crazy. I mean, it's really remarkable that L.A. is in the yellow tier and that it reached the yellow tier at the exact same time as San Francisco, um, considering that San Francisco has really been among the most conservative and has really had kind of the gentlest pandemic in terms of cases and deaths and you know, the misery throughout this pandemic. Um, whereas LA has really just been hammered um, almost more than any other part of the state. And so for them to reach this sort of big goal at the exact same time is just kind of mind boggling. And I think it's also, you know, it's to me, it's really remarkable for a couple of other reasons. The fact that, you know, as I pointed out earlier, only seven counties in California are in yellow. So the fact that Los Angeles being the largest is one of them really says a lot about kind of what has been going on down there, how hard they've been hit, but also how well they've done in pulling themselves out of it. Um, and I think, you know, people across California should take a lot of reassurance from that. Um, Los Angeles makes up 25% of our population is in that one county and that they're doing so well, I think should, you know, foretell a lot of, of good things for the rest of the state. It should make us all feel like, okay, we we can really, we're making progress and we're we're pulling out of this. But it also does show that San Francisco has had a very particular experience in the pandemic, right? I mean, it's it we've had a pretty good time with it. I think it's it is very demonstrative of that. Um, you know, we are even at our peaks, our, our very worst times, um, you know, in San Francisco and Los Angeles, you know, in in December and January, Los Angeles case rates and I mean, their total cases were just off the charts. But if you look at the rate per 100,000 residents, they were like four times San Francisco and their death rate has similarly been about three or four times higher uh, than San Francisco. So, yeah, it's it's San Francisco has done just incredibly well. But, you know, part of the reason why L.A. caught up and hit the yellow tier at the same time, most people think, is because they were hammered so hard that they have a lot of a lot of people down there got infected and now have natural immunity. So they kind of, you know, burned through the susceptible population by getting people sick. And now that kind of gave them a little bit of a head start on San Francisco in terms of approaching the end of this pandemic, because they kind of had to, they had a little bit of a lower bar in the number of people they needed to vaccinate to get to this kind of protective level of immunity that was going to slow down cases. Yeah. And not recommended. And, and there's no. a lot of sickness and death that come with that, right? Yeah, I mean, it's re it is really awful. I mean, you know, we're talking about down in San in L.A., they had almost 24,000 total deaths throughout the pandemic. Um, and again, wow. they are much larger than San Francisco, but San Francisco is 537 deaths. Um, and, you know, that's just it's the scale of difference is, is kind of hard to wrap your head around, um, you know, how much I think. Our death rate per 100,000 residents is somewhere around like 50 or so. And Los Angeles, it's about 250 or 300 deaths per 100,000. So, you know, they're just they've they've definitely people have died in Los Angeles that wouldn't have died in San Francisco. So, Dean, looking ahead, what do we have to look forward to? I mean, what are the milestones moving forward and reopening? One of the interesting things is Aaron actually talked to Susan Phillip, who's uh, San Francisco's uh, health director, and she thought that it's 
good that San Francisco gets to go from the yellow tier straight to the reopening because it would be that much harder to go from the red tier of having all these restrictions to suddenly reopening everything. Because in the next few weeks, we'll see if cases hold, if trends still go down. Uh, we kind of have a soft landing into that full reopening. And, um, you know, if we can make it, if the if the whole state can make it to June 15th, and I think we'll have a somewhat normal summer. I think summer is going to feel, we're going to see, we're going to see a lot of tourists in the city. We're going to see people moving back from all the places that they moved away to. Uh, the city will come back to life, you know, uh, it, it'll, it'll, it's, it's going to be pretty great. It'll, it'll feel like the end, even though clearly the world is not anywhere near that. Um, but uh, at least locally, it'll feel like we've kind of turned a corner on this. Yeah, and I do want to ask both you guys about that before we go. You know, we are starting to return to normal life. I mean, we're we're getting vaccines in a lot of arms, although maybe not not everyone. But you know, there's still a lot of people who are who are fearful, and there's been a lot of debate about you know sort of behavior and whether people are are, are stretching their wings enough. Um, but it does seem like there's people that have either trauma or they're just not used to returning to this life and and then there's also fear that um that people don't want to do too much too soon uh, are you seeing a lot of talk of that I, I think there's good reason to be cautious um in the last two weeks globally there were more uh infections than there were in the first six months of the pandemic um you know you look at india you look at brazil um even oregon you know our, our neighbor up north uh the virus is still going strong and tearing through. Uh, it's causing havoc everywhere. Um, so it, it doesn't hurt to be cautious, you know, as we re reopened and a lot of these states dropped their um, safety protocols. We're going to have tourists coming in over the summer. Um, as long as people do things that make them feel safe and kind of adhere to these protocols a little bit longer, I, I, I don't see any harm in that, you know. Even though we don't have to wear masks outside if we're vaccinated, some people are going to do that. And I think that there's nothing, you know, that's fine. It's better to be safe. Aaron, what do you think? I mean, there's definitely people out there who say that that to some degree people are being overly cautious and that they are sort of, you know, remaining in habits that, that actually, you know, they could do more. I think that, I mean, there certainly are people who are saying that. I don't know that there's really critique of individuals like, you know, people like you and me and Ideen who are deciding for ourselves what we feel comfortable with. I mean, there's very much a sense that people should do what, what feels right. But certainly the messaging, you know, there's a lot of chatter, um, you know, on social media. And then when you just talk to folks that we really need to be messaging people how great these vaccines are, that if we're going to get vaccine uptake the way it should be, we need to be really telling people, look at these things are amazing. And when you're vaccinated, you can actually, you can take your mask off outside. You can start doing things confidently and going to movies and going out to dinner and doing all these things that may not really be quite safe for people who aren't vaccinated. But we want to be getting, I think that that's one of the lines we're walking now is you do want to kind of tell people to still be cautious, to still be careful about not, you know, going crazy. But you also want to really message optimism so that you get people to buy in, right? So you get people to, to, get these shots and to participate in, you know, this campaign that's going to get us all kind of to this, this finish line. All right. Well, let's leave it there. Thanks guys. Thanks Aaron and Ideen for coming on again. Thank you. Thanks Damien. 
thanks to my guests today. They're Chronicle Health reporters Aaron Alday and Ideen Vaziri. To Taya Francesca Price for producing this episode, and thank you for listening.